Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, March the 3rd, 2023. It is currently 9.03 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I know it's Friday evening, meaning you've got probably so many other things going on, things you want to do. You're probably having fun. You're probably distracted, meaning that a lot of you will not even hear this while when it is broadcasting live on this Friday evening. And I understand that because it's Friday evening. You've got things going on. It's been a long week of work, and now you're spending time with family, and you're doing other things. I do understand that. But it's Friday evening. I'm really stressing that. It's Friday evening. Why am I stressing that it's Friday evening? Because that means before you know it, before I know it, Sunday is going to be here. And when Sunday arrives, this week of Bible study will have reached its dramatic conclusion, or maybe it's not a dramatic conclusion, but this week will be over, never to be repeated, and then we'll be beginning a new week of Bible study. And and just, uh, if you remember, we're spending about six to seven weeks in the Gospel of John, and this week it's all been John chapter 4, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, John chapter 4, but I think I've said this, It's Friday evening, and probably many of you, even including myself, I kind of, I'm, 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 for me, I'm here in the studio, and I'm like, it's Friday evening. What happened to the week? Like, it was here, and then it was gone. I'm like, what, what happened? What did I do? Did I really dig into John chapter four or not? Did, did the week get away from me? And I, in many ways, I feel like the week did. We've done four broadcast on John chapter four, but really we probably should have done a lot more. So now I have to make a decision. Not only am I going to talk about it now, but on Sunday, do I go back to John chapter four or do I move on to the next chapter in John that we're going to be looking at? What, what should I do? I don't know, but I know this. I feel very, and I'm going to use this word on purpose. I feel very unsatisfied with the work on John chapter 4. I feel very unfulfilled with our work in John chapter 4. Now, a lot has happened. Let's be fair. A lot has happened this week that has kind of been very distracting for me, our Discord server, everything that's happened. It's just been a crazy week. And somewhere that it shouldn't have, See, in in theory, I guess, you know, theoretically speaking, it shouldn't have messed up one thing, right? Everything that happened, everything that got, that went wrong should not have got in the way of me focusing in on John chapter 4. But if I'm going to be honest with you, it has. Like, I was so focused on John chapter 4 when we started this, and then as the week proceeded and things kind of started spiraling out of control and everything happened and and yeah, all the craziness that ensued, I was like, well, man, what happened? So now it's Friday evening and I, I feel, I, again, I'm using these words on, on purpose. I feel very unfulfilled, very, I, I'm missing any satisfaction coming from it. I feel like I had this desire, 
right? I had this strong desire for John chapter 4. I got uh, I, I, I initially working on it, and I think even what I preached last Sunday, I got a little partial satisfaction, right? Then all of a sudden, it kind of, it just kind of left, and now I'm very, well, unsatisfied, unfulfilled. And do we just now just say, well, you know, that, that, that was the week we had. What do we do? What do we do? I don't know. How do you feel about John chapter four? How do you, feel? how did your week of Bible study go in John chapter four this week? Did you really live in it, breathe it, drink it, partake of it? Did you really, 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 really allow John chapter four to get inside of you that it, that you spent so much time in it? that you're never going to forget John chapter four, that from this point forward, someone could ask you a question about John chapter four and you'd be like, boom, boom, boom. You would know how the chapter starts. You would know what's in the middle. You would know the chapter. Or would you have to kind of just say, well, I did a Bible study exercise one time on John chapter four, but I didn't really do much with it. That That's at least my concern. So we're going to do, what we're going to focus on tonight really I think I'm going, to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you a number of words to write down. I'm going to give you a number of words to write down. This may make sense. This may not make sense. Well, put it this way. This may not make sense now. Hopefully, it will make sense by the time we are done. I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to use this episode to try to say, okay, let's let's just do everything we can with John chapter 4. I'm going to just really use this episode to focus on one aspect of John chapter 4 that I think could lead to some really interesting conversations and discussions if people are willing to participate. And I and I and I'm kind of kicking myself because I should have already have done this earlier in the week. So, you know, if we need to, we can extend a week in John chapter four if we need to. It'll be interesting to see how what everyone thinks and what everyone feels. But I think I'm gonna do everything I can on Sunday to bring John chapter four to a hopefully I always say dramatic conclusion, but a satisfying conclusion. And then we'll go into the new week of study. All right. So are you ready? Here are the words I want you to write down tonight. If you can, if you have a, if you have something to write with, I have a journal, have a pencil. Let's, let's work on this. You ready? Here we go. Here are the words I want you to write down. First word I want you to write down, write down the word desire, desire. Or you could write down the word longing, but desire. We all know what it is to desire something, to want something, to need something. You know what that feeling is like. Just just go without food for 24 hours. You'll know that desire, that longing for food. And you have many desires in your life. They are legion. There are so many desires and longings and wants and needs that you have in your life. In fact, it would be interesting if 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 you took off your mask and got brutally honest with yourself. What would be your five greatest desires that you have in your life right now? Like right now at this moment, on this Friday, March the 3rd, 2023, what would be your five greatest desires at this moment. Now I know you would be, I know, I know that if it's, if, if we, if I ask this question in church, right, if I ask this question in church, I would get, you know, I would get things like this. For people to be saved, for God to be glorified, for Jesus to return, 
for for a uh, someone I know who's 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 backslidden to return. It, they would try to give me all the spiritual answers, right? Uh, to to learn God's word, and I know that that's what we're supposed to say in church. But I don't like church answers. So let's not pretend to be in church tonight. Just wherever you are on this Friday evening, if you were to write down five, your five strongest desires at this very moment. I mean, I mean the desire, like, I mean, look, maybe, maybe it's a bad desire. Like you could not even, you could not even say it out loud if you wanted to, because everybody would be like shocked and horrified. But look, the desire is there, so you can pretend all day that it's not. But what are those five desires? If you need to, write it down, and as soon as this podcast is over, burn the page. But what are your five strongest desires at this very moment? You may need food right now. You may need something to drink. What? I don't care how, how insignificant or significant it may be. What are your five strongest desires? At this very moment. All right. So write down the word desire. But I do want you to write down your five strongest desires. Next. Partial satisfaction. I want you to write down the word desire. You can write desire slash longing. And then I want you to write down partial satisfaction. Partial satisfaction. Many times in life, we have a desire. We have a strong desire, and sometimes we'll get some kind of a, a partial satisfaction, right? Let, let me maybe state it this way. Have you ever been like, I am starving to death. I am so hungry. I haven't eaten in for whatever it is. And, and you grab a snack, right? You grab something small, and you get a sense of partial satisfaction. It's not full. You're not completely full, but you're like, whoo. Okay, I can make it now to lunch or to dinner or to breakfast or to whatever you're, you're trying to get to, right? Partial satisfaction. We can all understand that. We know desire. We know partial satisfaction, right? Now, here's what I want you to do, right? Because you've written down the word, des- really, you've written down words, but desire slash longing. And then I want you to write down your five strongest desires right now that you're experiencing at this very moment, then I want you to write down the, wor- the, the words partial satisfaction. Then I want you to write down this word. Are you familiar with this word? I want you to listen to it. You ready? Are you familiar with this word? Here we go. I'm going to hold the iPad up to the microphone. I'm going to do a refresh of the page. <laughs> oh, wait, no, what just happened? There we go. Okay. Uh, The Cambridge Dictionary just went down. Here we go. Satiation. 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 Are you familiar with the word satiation? You may say, I don't even know how to spell satiation. Satiation is spelled S-A-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Satiation. S-A-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. T-I-O-N, satiation, desire, longing, partial satisfaction, satiation. What is satiation? Come on, someone, I'm, I'm asking the question. So I'm so used to teaching this way where I'm asking people a question um, and then I wait for the response. 
it's, it doesn't do much when you're in an empty room, right? Hey, what is satiation, everyone? Come on, satiation. What is satiation, everyone? What is satiation? What? Okay, nobody's going to answer, right? <laughs> satiation. Here's the definition from the Cambridge Dictionary, which for a second, they took the site down for maintenance, but it came right back up. I almost panicked, all right? I'm like, wait, no, I've got... I got it all set up. Don't mess up. Don't let technology get in my way. I was going to be very unsatisfied. See where we're going with this? All right, here we go. Here we go. Satiation. The act of completely satisfying yourself or a need, especially with food or pleasure. Try, used in a sentence, try not to eat beyond the point of satiation. The appetite for internet stock should reach satiation at some point. It's the act of completely satisfying yourself. So typically in life, you have a desire, you have a longing. Sometimes you will experience some kind of a partial satisfaction. And then sometimes you will experience, now listen to me carefully, for a very, very, very brief moment, satiation. For a very brief moment, you'll be like, ah, satiation, complete satisfaction. You experience, uh, you are full, you are fulfilled, you are satisfied. But please note, satiation is a temporary state in this life. All right. So I want you to write down the word desire, partial satisfaction, satiation. Now here is a brand new word. I have never, if I've heard this word or read this word somewhere, I clearly forgot it. I had to look it up. I saw the word and I had to look it up. But you go from satiation and then guess what happens? Listen to this word. You ready? Listen to this word. Ennui. Ennui. One more time. Ennui. I know it's so, it's such a small word. One more time. Ennui. 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 One more time. Ennui. 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 That, I, the best I can say is ennui. I, if, I, if I looked at the word, I would probably not pronounce it ennui, but here is how it is spelled. E-N-N-U-I. Ennui. E-N-N-U-I. Ennui. Are, are you familiar with this word? Right? Ani or ennui. Right? Um, I, I want to stress the we. Maybe it's ani, but you get the idea. Ani. All right. Now, one more time. One more time. Here, here one more time. Ennui. Right. That sounds like there's a we there to me. Ennui. Ennui sounds correct to me. You, all of you can email me and say, I am unsatisfied with how you pronounce that word. You did not fulfill my desire and longing for a podcast where the words are pronounced correctly. Okay, but all right. The definition of ennui, now again, write this word down, E-N-N-U-I, a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. He succumbed to ennui and despair. So you go from satiation to ennui, a feeling of listlessness dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement. Ennui is the, uh, sometimes you could just use the word boredom, 
the state of feeling disinterested in one's surroundings, having nothing to do, or feeling that life is dull. Now, uh, some, it's just funny. So right here, you look up ennui, but right next to it is boredom, all right? But um, so they said similar as boredom, uh, let's see, tedium, listlessness, let's see. Yeah, those are the main ones, all right? Uh, lethargy would be another a similar word, but a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction. Now, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me tonight. Desire and longing. We all have that. We sometimes experience a partial satisfaction. Remember, when you write down the word desire, I want your five strongest desires and longings for right now, tonight, March the 3rd. I need you to be brutally, painfully honest with me. Then partial satisfaction, satiation, complete satisfaction, but that's temporary at best. And then all of a sudden, ennui occurs. Ennui occurs. All of a sudden, you now feel a listlessness, dissatisfaction. All of a sudden, the excitement is gone. The satisfaction has dissipated. It's disappeared. It's disintegrated. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? You start with desire, partial satisfaction, satiation, ennui. Then guess what? You go back to longing and desire. And sometimes it's a new longing or desire. This is our life. This is your life. This is my life. We, this is a never ending cycle in our life. We have a desire. We have a longing. We get some kind of partial satisfaction that may temporarily make us okay. But then we are going to continue to pursue satisfaction in some way, shape or form. We'll get satiation. We'll be like, whoo. Okay, good. And then the next thing you know, we're experiencing ennui, listlessness, a kind of a dissatisfaction begins to creep in, a boredom, a lethargy. We're just kind of like, we become lethargic. We're just like, yeah, well, whatever. The, as we can say, the spark is gone. The fire has gone out. And then guess what? All of a sudden, a longing and a desire returns. Sometimes it's a longing and desire for the same thing. Sometimes we just move on to a new desire, a new want, a new need. Are you familiar with this cycle in any way, shape, or form? Now, let's go to John chapter 4. Pay close attention. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Now, we talked about this. I perceive and think that what happened here is that the Pharisees are not happy. The Pharisees are upset. Jesus perceives there's getting ready to be a problem, so he departs the area. He departs. He, uh, he, he leaves Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. 
I argued that the must needs there is not how it's typically preached. Oh, he must needs because he has a divine appointment with the woman he's going to talk to. I think he must needs because he goes into Samaria. He knows the Pharisees, they're not going to follow him and they're going to leave him alone. And he's not going to have to have this encounter. And we've got other examples in John where Jesus departed or removed himself from a situation when there was some kind of conflict. And so I think that there, that's how we understand the must needs there. But there's a desire. There's a longing to get away. So he gets away from them. Of course, it's only going to be temporarily. It's a partial. Ultimately, there's going to be a conflict, but okay. So then he cometh to, uh, he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar. Some, and just so that you know, some pronounce it Sakar, but if you look, listen, listen to a lot of ways people pronounce it. Some say Sikar, which is how I would want to say it. But then I listened to, I can't remember what I was listening to, and they said Sikar. So the debate can, wa- can rage on the internet on how to say it. I'm going to go with Sakar. So then he cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sakar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Now Jesus is wearied. All right, just so that you know, there's his humanity. Then cometh a woman of Samaria to, to draw water, and Jesus said that unto her, Give me to drink. There's his, his in his flesh. He's having these same earthly desires anybody else would. He's wearied from his journey, and he's thirsty. Uh, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. His disciples are not there. And so he's asking the woman to drink. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans, right? Showing the, the issues in life. And we talked a little bit about why there was conflict here with the Samaritans. Right now, look what happens here. Okay. Uh, so the woman's like, you know, why are you even talking to me? Now listen, verse 10. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, this is John 4, 10. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water, right? So just please note, living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, that hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank therefore himself and his children and his cattle? Now, this is Jacob's well. It's almost seen as this, there's something significant here because it's Jacob's well. There's, there's like, hey, you, are you greater than Jacob? Can you give us something greater than, than Jacob gave us with this well where he gave, uh, he's provided water for all of these years to so many people and animals? Are you greater than him? I mean, she just straights up. Are you greater than our, than our father Jacob? Now look at verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. It may come from Jacob's well. It may even have some religious significance because it's from Jacob. It may have a history of giving so many people and animals drink but you're going to thirst again. She, 
Jesus is now because she is thinking water, right? She's there to get this physical water. And Jesus wants her to know this physical water, even though it's in Jacob's well, you are going to thirst again. You're only going to get a partial satisfaction. And then guess what? You're going to be coming right back. You're going to need more. You're going to need more. It will never completely satisfy you in any way, shape, or form. All right, you have that? Now, I want you to listen carefully now, carefully to what the pulpit commentary has to say, because this is where I drew these words from that I gave you. All right, listen carefully. Right. Jesus answered and said to her, leaving the question of the superiority to our father Jacob to be settled when he, when she should understand him better. Everyone drinketh is in the habit of drinking from the water and any similar fountain will thirst again. Earthly desires obtain temporary satisfaction and then resume their way. Earthly desires obtain temporary satisfaction. Every earthly desire, longing that you have, if you wrote down your five strongest desires tonight, March the 3rd, you can, you, can, you can only truly get partial satisfaction. Maybe you can get satiation, but it's only temporary at best. So even, so in a sense, it's all partial satisfaction, but the best you can hope for is say partial satisfaction and then temporary satiation. That I guess that's the way you could you could describe. It. That's the best you can hope for because listen, earthly desires oh they're going to they're going to resume. They're going to come back. Our whole life, your whole life is made up of intermittent desires and partial satisfaction of passion and satiation then in then ennui and then of some new longing. So in a sense, they kind of they give the same kind of words that I gave you. Our whole life, your entire life is made up of intermittent desires and partial satisfaction of passion, then satiation, then of envy, and then of some new longing. You go from passion, satiation, some kind of satisfaction, but then in we comes, you're going to get listless and bored and, and the excitement's going to be gone. And then, and guess what? That new longing is going to come back. And maybe it's a longing for the same thing to get more of it, or it's going to be for something else. And that's, you live your life in this vicious cycle, this vicious cycle. This flow and ebb, ebb and flow of desire belong to the very nature of human appetite. More than that, human desire is never really satiated. Human desire is never really satiated. It never goes away. Your desire your, your pride, your ego, all of the desires that arise from pride and ego, your desire for physical satisfaction, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, food, shelter, all, all of these things um, to, be, to be wanted, to be needed, friends, community, uh, relationships, all of it. It's just a never, it's just gonna, it's ebb and flow, ebb and flow. You get the desire, you get a partial satisfaction, you get satiation, then ennui comes, then you're back to listlessness, boredom, you're unsatisfied again, then boom, that the, the longing is back, 
Or, and you just, just, it's just keep going through the cycle over and over and over. And Jesus tells her, hey, you've come for this water. But listen, as he says, no, and even though it came from Jacob's well, even though it came from Jacob's well, and even no matter how much greatness you uh, apply to Jacob, no matter how amazing you think he is, you can take this water, you can give drink to all the cattle, to all the people. They can drink and drink and drink. It may be the best water that anyone has ever tasted, but here's what I know. You're going to thirst again. You're going to thirst again and again and again and again and again and again and again. It's never going to completely satisfy. There will not be satiation. There's not. It, it, you, you may get close to it, but before you even know it, right back, you need more. 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 And Jesus wants to say, hey, the what in a sense, what he is saying is the physical world, the material world, everything we engage in, will never truly satisfy. It doesn't matter what it is. The greatest relationship, the the nicest house, the best car, the most money, the most the, the greatest physical beauty or or, or you know if you, you don't want to use the word beauty the best looks in the world the the best physique the best hair the best everything no matter what you have it, it, it may give you satiation for a moment you may have a period of time where you're like man it cannot get better in this but sooner or later one day you're going to wake up and it's going to be like what's wrong with me what's wrong with me I want more. I want something else. I want something else. I want more. And a lot of times people don't understand that. But it's just the reality of this world. The the temporal, the material cannot satisfy. And I think in a roundabout way, I think one of the the elements of our sinful nature is our sinful nature can never truly be satisfied. I think our sinful nature is a perpetual state of unsatisfaction, uh, dissatisfaction. It's a a perpetual state of wanting more and more and more and more. The the sinful nature is 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 like a, a bottomless pit of desire and want and need and longing. And you can look to everything in this world It doesn't matter how great it is. Sooner or later, you're going to wake up and go, vanity of vanity, meaningless, 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 meaningless. Now, Jesus here is being very, very, very literal, obviously. Hey, this water will not satisfy. You need something better than this water. But we all need something better than what we see around us. And Jesus points to something better. He's already alluded to it in verse 10. He says, if, hey, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's, that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. Living water is different than the literal water. The literal water, well, the material water, the physical water, the literal water that you can see, you can touch, you can taste, that everybody's like that. I want what's real. It will leave you thirsty. You say, no, it will satisfy my thirst only temporarily 
because you're going to need water again and again. And you have to keep coming back to the well, keep coming back to the well. Now, Jesus says, I've got living water. Now, look what he says. All right. So the woman doesn't understand. She's like, wait, 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 wait. You don't even have anything to draw with. How, how are you going to get this living water? And wait, are you saying you're greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank therefore himself and his children and his cattle? You know, Jacob, Jacob, don't you remember Jacob? He gave us this well. Are you better than him? Then Jesus says unto her, whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Hey, you can drink this all day. I got, you can, you can fill up your water bottle, but you're going to have to come back to get more. You're going to thirst again. And then look what he says, verse 14. But whoever will drink of the water that I will give you shall never thirst again. But the water I shall give him shall be in, a, in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's going to make you thirst, but the only true satisfaction is found in Christ. Now, this raises lots of questions, right? This raises lots of questions. We've talked about these questions, and I've at least brought them up numerous times. Some people have done a little bit of the work on it. I think most people feel that the living water is a reference basically to the Holy Spirit, um, but I, I think that it's a reference to the Holy Spirit but I think it's a reference to salvation in general, right? I think what he's saying is, hey, I can give you salvation that involves the Holy Spirit, right? The, the Holy Spirit is, in a sense, the well of living water inside of us because the Holy Spirit seals us until the day of rede redemption. The Holy Spirit is kind of the down payment on our ultimate redemption. So I think it's really more, I think... I do understand the Holy Spirit is there, but I just think that it's still a reference to just salvation is what, is, that's what I feel. I, I, at least I feel that. I know not everyone else does. Um, you, you, can, you can have your debate. But I'm not denying that the Holy Spirit's not referenced here because I know there's other scriptures in John, but I think it's just a reference to salvation. Ultimately, involving the Holy Spirit, because when I am saved, then you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there, seals you for till the day of redemption. It's your down payment. It's there. And the Holy Spirit is there working inside of you. And of course, how he does that work and what he does, we can debate that all day. But I know the Holy Spirit is there. So we have the fruit of the Spirit, how that works, how it manifests itself. I know there's all kinds of debates about that. I'm not here to get into all of that. Jesus is saying the temporal will not last. The literal, the physical the material will make you, you're going to be thirsty again. But the spiritual salvation, you'll never thirst again. Now, that, that sounds good. And we preach it that way, right? We preach it that way. And we've got to think about exactly what that looks like. Because I think in sometimes what we say, because here's what I do know. When Jesus says you'll never thirst again, well, clearly he can't mean you're never going to thirst again for the literal, the material, the physical, because clearly you are, right? Right? I mean, come on, let's just be fair. Like, she's still going to thirst for water even after salvation, right? 
She's going to have all of those same physical and emotional and mental desires and needs, and those are never going to go away. We, we do have to somehow think this through, right? Because it's sometimes, Breach, you come to Jesus, you'll, ne- you'll be completely satisfied. You'll never long for anything again. But guess what? Christians desire relationships, emotional intimacy, physical, and they desire all the same things that lost people desire. And if we're really honest, our desires sometimes are far more similar than we even want to admit. So do do we say, do do we, I mean, do we dare say you come to Jesus and that's it. You won't need anything else. You'll have everything you've ever wanted. Well, we know that's not true. Because I guarantee if you wrote down the five things you desire the most right now, and you're even, you're even 40% honest, there's going to be, you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, I've been a Christian. Why, why do you still desire for these things? The desire stays there. So when Jesus says he's going to satisfy that, that you're never going to thirst again, what does he mean by that? Is it possible? I'm going to throw out a hypothesis. Remember, Bible study exercise rules. I don't do all the teaching. The goal is to get you involved in this process, right? That's the goal. Is it possible that a lot of our, how can I say this? I got to say this in a way that I don't sound heretical here. Is it possible that a lot of our desires for the material, our desire for the physical, is it possible a lot of our desire for the material, the tangible, the physical, the literal, that that is we desire this, but it's really covering up the real desire. Is our real desire, at least deep down, we don't know it. We don't understand it. We don't pursue it. Because remember, no one seeketh after God, no, no not one. Everyone in, in, in their depravity is dead spiritually. But, it, but deep down, there is this longing, this longing. And, and maybe they, we pursue all of these things and we have all of these desires because it really is an attempt to try to satisfy the spiritual through the material, which will never last and never work. And what Jesus is saying, once you drink of this water of salvation, of living water, once you have this living water, you'll never satisfy for sa- salvation. What is what Jesus is saying, you'll never thirst again, meaning that the this thirst is simply, a, it's true desire is for the spiritual, but we don't know it. Like we're pursuing this and we're pursuing this. We think we want this, but we really don't want this. Like I'm holding this bottle. I I can say, this is what I want. And in my mind, it is what I want. In my mind, it's what I desire. But really the desire is for something deeper, that there's this deeper desire. And this is for the spiritual. We cover up because we don't know what we really want. We don't really under, we're dead to the things of God. So we don't really understand it, but there's this lack of contentment, this lack of, of satisfaction because there's this lack, because we don't have salvation. Now, this doesn't mean that, what, now see the problem with this analogy is it's, it doesn't work out perfectly because when you get saved, you still have these other desires, but you no longer then have the desire for salvation. Now you would think, well, if if these other things are simply a symptom because we're longing for salvation, then once we got salvation, then these, these other things would go away. So really that doesn't work either. So just forget that entire illustration. 
What does it mean when Jesus says we'll never thirst again? I've kind of posed this question throughout the entire week. Whenever I've talked about this, all of the studies we've done this far, I've kind of asked this question over and over. What does it mean that we'll never thirst again? What am I never going to thirst for again? The only thing I know is I'm never going to thirst for salvation again because once I'm saved, I'm eternally saved. I'm never, I'm never going to have to thirst again for the forgiveness of sins because all my sins have been forgiven. I'm never going to have to ever thirst again for God's mercy and grace because it is mine in Christ Jesus. I'm never going to have to thirst and hunger again for righteousness because I am declared perfectly righteous in Christ. But all of these other desires are going to be there. I'm not going to have satiation in all of these other desires. So somehow, what Jesus is saying, if you drink of this, the physical, the physical, you're going to thirst again. But if you get the living, you're never going to thirst again. It can't be that you're never going to thirst for the, for the physical water again, but you're never going to thirst for that deeper longing, which has to be salvation, I think it's something we have to we have to at least really try to embrace and 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 meditate on. Again, how did and and just so that you know, there's another there's at least one. I, there's probably a lot of cross references. They don't really help, but there's at least one that I was going to think of. John chapter six verse twenty seven and verse forty nine. John chapter six verse twenty seven to forty nine. Labor not for the meat which perisheth but that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath the Father sealed. All right, once again, it is, hey, don't go for the meat, the physical meat of this world. Go for the, the, the true satisfaction, which comes from God, which ultimately is everlasting life. Don't, don't go for the meat that perisheth it, that, that's, that perisheth. That's physical, the tangible, literal meat. You need the meat that will basically bring eternal life. Jesus uses this constant thing of, of, of meat or bread or water to say, you, you take, because everyone knows that longing for it. So what Jesus is using there, hey, the physical, the tangible, the literal will not satisfy. You need the spiritual and the spiritual will satisfy. But it, it, that satisfaction that we get from the spiritual it doesn't take away the desire for all the other things. And I think sometimes that's the problem we, we, we give people in the churches. We're like, hey, 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 come to Jesus and all of this desire will go away, but it doesn't go away. So we have to understand what is the fulfillment that we get. It should take away all of our hungering and thirsting for the, for the, see, I think we have this hunger and thirst for the spiritual, even though we don't know it. But that will be satisfied. That will take care of it. Now, in theory, and if we wanted to get theoretical, wouldn't it be great to preach that you come to Jesus and you'll be perfectly satisfied? And you should have perfect contentment because you have everything you need. It's wonderful to say that, but it doesn't, give me a break. Look at, just just stand in front of any church. And here's all these people who supposedly have Jesus. Guess what? 
They got families and houses and cars and hobbies and boats and they go fishing and they go camping and they love this and they like that and they want to do this and they have a desire for this and they want a new house and they're remodeling and they're doing this and they're and they're going to the gym because they want to look better and they're buying new clothes. I mean, all of those desires are just as present and everyone sitting in the pew as the people who are not in the pew and never go to church and are atheists and agnostics. But we do know, we do know dogmatically that the material physical world will never satisfy. And whatever satiation we experience, it's going to turn into ennui real quick. Listlessness, dissatisfaction, boredom, the excitement's gone, spark is gone. And then it's going to lead right back to the desire. I wish I could say, if I have Jesus, I have everything I need. There's lots of praise songs that will say that. And people will lift their hands and sing them. People will say, if I have Jesus, I have all that I need. He's all. Yeah. And then as soon as the praise song is over, the hymn is over and the church service is done, then you're like, well, okay, what I need is I need food and I need sleep and I need to take a nap and I need to do this and I want this and I need this. And then we get frustrated as soon as a need is not met. We get frustrated as soon as things don't go our way, demonstrating we're not really satisfied with Jesus. We all have to learn that the physical will not satisfy. Because there's a deeper longing. That deeper longing. It's the deeper longing that we will never long for again. That deeper longing. And that is back to a right relationship with our creator. It's, it can only be found in our creator. That's got to be the, the thirst that gets taken away. That's the only, the only explanation I have. So tonight, what are your strong, what is your strongest desires? What is your strongest desires? I want you to just be blunt with me. Like, what are they? Come on, say it. Now, you may be able to get some partial satisfaction. You may even be able to get satiation for a night, for an hour, for two, for three, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, maybe even for four years, depending on how good it really is. But the longing is going to return. But the living water, the living water guarantees us absolute, because that's salvation, that one day we will be glorified. No more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more sin. And then we will experience true satiation, true satisfaction. And we never have to long for that day again because well, we never have to thirst for it again or hunger for it again because it's guaranteed for us. I wonder if there's a positional and practical side of this. Positionally, I never thirst again. Practically, I still thirst. Does that work? 
Just a thought. Just a thought. You can email me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Just trying to keep us focused on this Friday evening where I'm very unsatisfied. I'm very dissatisfied with what we've done so far in John 4. But maybe that's perfect because we are talking tonight about, hey, that water, you're still going to thirst again. And remember the words that I've given you tonight. Desire, partial satisfaction, satiation, ennui, and longing, desire. Love to get your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Please read John 4 tonight. Please, please, please. Maybe just get one of the Bible apps and just listen to it seven times tonight. Listen to it seven times tomorrow. Just as much as you can before Sunday. And then maybe Sunday morning. I think Sunday school is going to be law and gospel. And then maybe Sunday morning we'll spend some more time in John chapter 4 with the members of Victory Baptist Church. Some of this will be, obviously, I will repeat a lot of these ideas, but we'll see. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.